Welcome to the Legendarium. There, there's your weird sexual experience. <laughs> yeah, I went there. I'm sorry. Welcome to Sick Bay, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm a little bit stuffed up today. Uh, we'll we'll deal with that and, and move forward. I'm Craig Hanks, your host. Over there is Ken Johnson, wearing the same shirt as I am. And, uh, and you're just a glorified extra in my life. Over there is Todd Wenty, wearing the same shirt that I am. We are all wearing blue shirts. <laughs> you're making it sound like you're all in the same shirt. Like <laughs> three-headed monster. It's a very large uh, shirt. That sounds like a sex act. Uh, and over there is Ryan Bruckman wearing a red shirt because, as we all know, the red shirt goes on the most inconsequential portion of the uh, casting mm-hmm. in the program. And so. we are going to have an away mission where Ryan dies. <laughs> we just got I'm back from our, our away mission. We just... We just got back from our away mission at The Void, which was a, a VR experience, which uh, was awesome. And if you want to hear about it, it's on the behind-the-scenes audio on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash legendarium. Uh, you can give uh, any amount per episode that you would like, from a dollar to $18 or more. Uh, I'm just kidding. You, you I, it goes, <laughs> yeah, it, you can go as high as you want, but uh, if you give $3 per episode, that gives you access to all the behind-the-scenes audio that we've put up there. We kind of talk about the void, and uh, and yes, that, that was our away mission, and Ryan was our red shirt for he, the day. He was our sacrifice. Yeah. He really very, is wearing a red shirt. Very unfortunate choice of shirt today. <laughs> Everyone else is wearing the podcast shirt for this little thing, and I show up, and I'm like, oh. You never got that memo. <laughs> and then we're recording red shirts. It was just a perfect storm of stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also funny because the rest of us, uh, so Todd and Ken and I have, uh, we, we read the book in preparation for this episode so that we would be able to talk about it. Ryan did not. He's literally worthless this episode. I plan to feed him to uh, a sandworm in the next ten minutes. Uh, ice shark is the sandworms were not my fault. <laughs> An ice shark? Really? All ice right. shark. What's the biology on that? <laughs> so, real quick, before we get started on red shirts, uh, I will also mention reddit.com slash r slash the legendarium. Oh, that's the bad way to do it. Uh, somebody told me I should pitch it as thelegendarium.reddit.com. That's the easy way to do it. So that's how you find us on Reddit. Uh, obviously, our we have our Facebook, and uh, and that's that's our largest community where we have done the most, you know, blasting out of info. But quite frankly, I'm really digging our subreddit. I don't know how much time you guys spend on there, but uh, there there are there's like 250 people that have joined at this point. And not everybody, you know, most of them are, are kind of uh, wallflowers and, sure. and they just kind of sit and look from the sidelines, and that's fine. Uh, but there's a, a good, sizable handful of people who uh, who like to interact a lot, and I am having a ball. It's you really like to let us know when we've really screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty accurate. Well, yeah, come in with suggestions. I had a good conversation with people about Game of Thrones the other day. There you go. Okay. No, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So we don't just talk about. Uh, the episodes, I mean, that is, uh, that's kind of the bread and butter over there, obviously, but, uh, yeah, every once in a while somebody will, 
We'll put up a question about something else, you know, Game of Thrones yeah. and how we feel about the books or the author or whatever. And, you know, people get in, into it a little bit over there, and it's a lot of fun. Um, I've often said about Reddit that if if the subreddit has a, a, a decent uh, subject and it's not on the front page, the default front page, then it's probably a cool place to go check out. Um, you know, obviously there's some really deep, dark, nasty corners that you don't want to go to, but, uh, you know, but we've been involved in the Tolkien stuff, the Sanderson subs, the, now the Wheel of Time, and now we have our own subreddit, and I've had a blast with people on Reddit. We're so, forming our, our own deep, dark crevice in the internet. <laughs> where, where you'll find the taint. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, I guess... My point is just, please go to Reddit, find us on Reddit, we would love to see you there. Uh, I, I'm having a ball, and I think you will too. So, let's talk about Red Shirts. Now, Red Shirts by John Scalzi is the uh, the book that we're talking about today. It is, it's called Red Shirts, a novel with three codas. And I, when, I, when I read that, I thought, ugh, how pretentious and how stupid. But basically, here's how it shakes out. It's a very, very short book. It's short, it's to the point, basically it's an SNL skit in, uh, in novel form. It's maybe 200 pages of SNL skit. And the idea is, if you're familiar with the original Star Trek show, that anybody in the crew wearing a red shirt is in for a nasty surprise in the first 10 minutes of every episode. There's an away team, they go on an adventure down to the planet's surface, and they invariable, invariably encounter a monster or a virus or something that will uh, tear one of the red shirts, one or more of the red shirts apart, and this gives Kirk and his, uh, his comrades the, the information they need to survive through the rest of the episode. His main character comrades. That's, yeah, that's the crux. Yeah, the, the crux. Yeah. Uh, so the, yeah, that's that's the main uh, trope being made fun of in this novel, and, uh, and and it's delightful. It's a lot of fun. The other trope is the black box. Uh, there's always <laughs> that that was the part that really hooked me. You know, several pages into the book, there's a there's a crisis. And our main character is one of these red shirts, get and out the box. and he he is instructed to get out the box into which they feed the virus, and they said, oh, well, we don't really know what it is. It, it wasn't a virus; some, it was a bacteria. It, it must be some uh, must be some alien tech because <laughs> it has three buttons: red, yellow, and green. And if you put it in and you hit the green button and wait until just before your uh, time you limit is up, time. right? <laughs> yeah, you set it for six hours, and then five hours and thirty minutes later, it'll spit out. The, the solution minus one little bit of information that the main character gets to make up. <laughs> and uh, you, you just have to take that up there and say, oh, we, we, we got it all figured out except for that, that protein, the protein strand. The protein sheet. So, so it's the, always the protein sheet. So the principal character can come up with the, with the solution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's basically the, the idea. Now, the book then goes on. It, it kind of goes off the rails and... In a good way. In a good way. There's time travel. They go back to uh, 2010 in Burbank and uh, and have to find the writers of this TV show that they're trapped in uh, and try to convince them to stop killing all these red shirts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that's and that's the novel. Now, here's the thing: is it's 200 pages of of fun nonsense, and it's kind of. 
it's this uh, it's poking fun of the idea that uh, that writers of these TV shows, Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica or whatever other space opera you might have, they don't always take all the characters seriously. They have made these red shirts into fodder because of lazy writing, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, they use them as a crutch to get through an episode, to, to stoke tension in, in an episode. And so he kind of is making fun of that a little bit. But that's the novel part of it. But then he has three codas. And this is where I stopped and I said, you know what? This was brilliant. It, the, the title isn't as pretentious as I thought. Okay, it's a little pretentious. But the novel is fun and stupid and wonderful. But then the three codas say, okay, but what if... It, the way that the characters in the novel are asking the writers of the show to take them more seriously, what if in these three codas we actually took that story more seriously mm -hmm. and it made it into a lot of fun? Uh, so the the first coda, gosh, Todd, you just did that one. So what's the first coda about? The, the first coda was uh, uh, done as an anonymous writer doing a blog and trying to explain to the Internet and ask the Internet to help him get over his writer's block because he's the writer of a basic cables and he, and he comes out and he says I'm not going to tell you what series I write for I'm not going to tell you anything about that but I am going to tell you that my characters have come to me and I'm killing them and they've asked me to stop killing them and now I'm afraid to write anything because I kill people and all you get is his blog and, and, and then there'll be this blog and it'll say no I'm not going to tell you what show I'm writing for but let me let me paraphrase some of the answers that you guys keep asking for are you really not going to tell us no I'm really not going to tell you and then he he launches into this uh, into this beautiful uh, conversation it, it takes a while to get into it and it's really funny um, getting there but he gets into this conversation about um, this writer having a conversation with all of the people that he's killed off and they all come back and they say, no, you did this because you're lazy. You didn't do this because you were raising stakes. You didn't do this because it meant anything. You did this because it was easy. It was simple. And you didn't want to make any work, do any work at it. So stop yeah. and start writing well. Right. And it was really, it, it was, it was clever. It was that, but the thing that for me, the thing that was funny about it or the or wonderful about it was that the first third of the coda was just a continuation of the silliness of all of the stuff that he'd done. Mm -hmm. um, but, then he, but then he eases into a really serious tone. He does. And, and, and it, it catches you off guard. You, you I, I didn't realize that he had shifted into this really serious conversation about what writers go through when they get writer's block and how they have to find ways to trick themselves to get through it. And that it's, and that it really is when they start leaning on these easy kinds of solutions that they're, they're really just stopping doing good writing. They, they've ceased to do good writing and that's, that's the problem. Not that they don't have good ideas, not anything. It's, it's that they're, they're just not being fair with the with the writing process with the characters that they're writing, um, and it was it was uh, it was quite touching in a, in its own uh, irreverent, tongue in cheek, uh, expletive laced way. <laughs> and the second coda there in in the novel proper, uh, there's a character one of the extras who finds out that his double in the real world. Uh, has been involved in a serious motorcycle accident, and he's brain dead, and his family is about to pull the plug. 
and the second coda is about him uh, having switched bodies with that kid. And uh, the kid wakes up and discovers that there's a, a week of his life missing when he had woken up from the coma, but he can't remember anything between then and a week later. And, he, and there's a reason why it's and weak. He, and he investigates and finds out that uh, that it was because a character from a show that he was an extra on switched bodies with him and uh, sacrificed himself, or potentially sacrificed himself to, to give this kid his life back. Uh, and it was just wonderful. Yeah. It was kind of a rumination on what are you doing with your life and what does it mean to have a second chance? Uh, and it's obviously completely ridiculous. That was probably my favorite was... coda, though, because of that reason. Is is he the character sends a, a video to the actor? The no, that's a the third one. No, oh, no, you're one. right. I'm this sorry. I'm sorry. You're no, right. He he sends it. He sends a video to to the actor saying. Doing nothing with your life and getting through your life is not success. You know, basically, he's he's basically saying that you know, surviving surviving life and doing nothing is not living. He's, you know, step it up. Basically, yeah. it's time to get off your butt and, and do something. Which I was always like, that that's a that's a good lesson. You know, yeah. one that I'm still learning. And um, the the third coda is there. There's <laughs> another set of extras. One of the he's not one of the main characters, but he's a focal character in the book. Uh, he's an extra, or uh, sorry, he's a character on the show. But how do I explain this? Main this character, is so hard. Main to... character in the show, extra in the book. It, no, isn't he? Jenkins. No, he was an extra in the in the show. He's, he was an extra in the show, but he's a main <laughs> this, character in the this book. Is so, right. This is so hard to he's do. A, he's a main character in the book. <laughs> he was the one. And he's an extra in the show. <laughs> but anyway, the but point he's is also the. Anyway, the point the is the way it works is fantastic. <laughs> the point <laughs> is his wife died in. In, on the show. In, in, right. I mean, he's in the show, right? His wife died, and he sends a message, all the all these letters and a video of him and his wife and their relationship. He sends that through time and space with this, this crew that has gone to, to Burbank. He sends all this information to his <laughs> wife's... Uh, his wife's actress. His, his wife's, wife's actress. Actress, actress. yeah, yeah. exactly. And she then has to, like, take on this guy's, like, pain and sadness to... And it's really, really wonderful. Uh, I couldn't... There was That was a very touching code. I, mean, I, really, I loved she, all three of them. I loved all three of them. They were brilliantly done. I ended up enjoying the codas a lot more than I thought I would. Because when I, when I started reading, I'm like, this is... This is just Scalzi's writing experience, yeah. experiment notebook, and it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the substance was good. I just thought the execution was I, I did think, as I was going through those codas, and, and really from the beginning of the book, I thought, you know, this is just a guy screwing around. This is a... Um, I, don't, I don't know any other Scalzi stuff. I've never read anything else. But I can see how this would be a, a career writer who... You know who comes up with an SNL skit and says, "I'm just going to follow this through and see where it goes," and he ends up with 200 pages of material, and he says, "Ah, this is good enough." And then he writes these codas, and they and all all four the novel and the three codas felt like writing exercises, down to the fact that the second coda is written in the second person in the past tense second person, which is awful. No, I loved it. I hated it. But... I loved it. Uh, it, it was weird, and it was yeah. tough to get a handle on, but once once you did, there's your second person, past tense. Uh, 
Yeah. Once you did, it worked out well. So anyway, uh, but it was just somebody just kind of screwing around. Now, all this time, we've been talking about this for about 15 minutes. I'm still here. Ryan, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan has been Ryan, silent, just but, smiling but at just us. Just like a red shirt, you're there in the background. <laughs> Ryan, who has not read the book, hasn't had much to say. I went and read some on Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia? What is this Wikipedia thing? Yes, Captain, I have taken the readings on Wikipedia. They've compared this book to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. I actually, a fair, actually, a fair comparison. Can I, can I, I felt so smart halfway through this book when I said, oh, you know what this reminds me of? Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, they make that reference, yeah. Do they? At they some do. Point? Okay, I don't remember. I, no, I, I don't think they do, but Somebody I have seen does. that, yeah. Um, anyway, Ryan, are, did, did you ever watch the original Star Trek? Like, are you familiar with these tropes? Does oh, it, yeah. Okay. I've seen all three of the original series, ser- uh, seasons okay. of the original. Are you, what are, you, are you British? Are you trying to turn British? British, is that the... No. All three series. He's always... Is he <laughs> it's always it's become a... You'll have to forgive me, everyone. It's become a bit of a... A bugaboo? Uh, no, just... <laughs> I've, certain things in my life I've started doing in a much cleaner and more, it comes across as British tone. I go through drive throughs this way now. Like, there's a microphone involved. I all of a sudden, I, I, my voice changes. Yes, may I call you Nancy? <laughs> I have done that sort of thing. Yes, thank you, Gentry. I very much appreciate you. Now I'd like the spicy chicken sandwich, no mayo, and uh, no salt on those fries for me right now. Thank is you. It, is it because you... Doesn't everybody do that? I'm sorry. <laughs> is it because you're watching The Great British Bake Off? I am, but that isn't. This has been going on for years. <laughs> okay. I got a free meal out of it, though. This girl's like, where are you from? And I'm like, Leicester. <laughs> and she was like, that's awesome. And then she forgot to swipe my card, and I didn't catch it, so I have got a free meal from oh, Wendy's. That's awesome. Wow. Um, but I wish I was from Leicester. Oh, wait. Scratch that. <laughs> All right. That was a good red shirt. Completely derailed. Things. It's time to kill me off. Although, although before we before we bring it back, I have to say, Great Great British Bake Off, one of the most delightful pieces of television programming of all time. Oh yeah, I love it. It's it. It's Todd. You're looking at me quizzically, and it's because I've eaten a lot of British food. I'm not sure. No, Todd, (laughs) go on Netflix and oh well, in America, see, I'm going. I'm going native, Ryan. it, on Netflix, it's called The Great British Baking Show. Okay. Look it up, okay. watch it, and say goodbye to the rest of your life until you're done with it. <laughs> it is delightful. It, it, it's so much fun to watch. Jolene started watching it, my wife started watching it, and I kind of watched it because it was on, and I was like, oh, this is this is enjoyable. Somehow this, they managed to maintain the tension of American reality shows while being the most polite people ever. Oh, my gosh. This is, this is just ruddy garbage. Like, but yet they're so kind about it. And I'm like, I feel like you, like these, these hosts, these, these chefs could, these bakers could turn around and be like, and, and tell me, you know, go, go to hell. And I'd be like, yes, thank you so much. That's so kind of you to say that. And go, I don't know how they manage it. I best, love this best part of the show, before we go back to red shirts, uh, is that the two judges, their names, I am not making this up, Todd, are Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood. Uh, that's awesome. And they're normal. <laughs> anyway, this is why people get on Reddit and tell us to stop taking tangents. <laughs> I, I want to be clear. I didn't start this tangent. For once, Todd was not responsible for the tangent. 
uh, we do not assume responsibility for the contents of this episode. <laughs> we don't assume responsibility for any episode. <laughs> uh, should we talk about red shirts again? Maybe. <laughs> Where were we? Where were we? We were uh, sticking the suet pudding. Yeah. So, so let me ask this question: Is this science fiction? Does this qualify as science fiction? No, of course not. No. This is fantasy. It, it's parody, <laughs> I think. Par- well, it kind of, yeah. I, I'd say it always, certainly starts as parody. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't always have to be mocking, and it doesn't always have to be derogatory. Parody can be right. You know, a tribute to whatever your cabin in the woods, for instance. Yeah. yeah. I, the reason that I asked the question is because there there were a few moments where it really, where where it, it felt like he was working very hard to be very much a, a, a science fiction book um, when they're going through the process of talking about all of the all of the things they have to do in order to get the shuttle to go back in time and uh, working around a black hole. I was like, okay, he's he's done some work on this. He's got some techno babble down, and I'm impressed. I think he was uh, just making fun of science fiction writers. Oh, it, it may have been, may have been. But that's that's a big piece of what the science fiction genre con- consists of. Yeah. They look at something and they say, the science doesn't exist for it yet. What would it look like if it did? I think it would look like this. And they make something up. Um, and while... While we look at it and say, "Well, where? How does this derive? Where does this go?" Um, that's a major. That's a major tenet of science fiction. That, especially, and I would say more space opera than than real good science fiction is that they say, "Well, the science may not exist for it yet, but let's push it forward and see where we could make something work for it." Um, and so there were a few moments where I was like, "Yeah, this is this is this has the this has the appearance of real good effort at science fiction." I'll buy that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would still call it fantasy. I, I totally I mean, agree. I, I buy why you say that. But I, I totally I, agree. Yeah. It is a, it, I, I, think this, I think this piece um, transcends uh, or, or jumps between um, genres as we would normally define them. Right. I think it can rest solidly inside each of them for periods of time. I think as a whole, um, it's, a really good, uh, it's a really good sketch piece. Right. Plus, it asks the hard questions, like, for instance, if you were to meet an alternate universe form of yourself, and finally you found somebody who really, really gets you, uh, and who you really, really get, uh, do you have sex with that person? (laughs) Hey, they just had had a conversation. These these are the big questions. (laughs) It's not a big question. Clearly, it's yes. (laughs) Only if your name is Captain Kirk. Um, <laughs> no, he wasn't Kirk. He was, no, it uh, wasn't Kirk. It was Kerensky. But the, Kerensky. No, but who was Kerensky's uh, Star Trek character? Bones, uh, maybe? Oh, no, Kerensky's was uh, Chekhov. Chekhov, thank you. Okay. He was Chekhov. Okay. Um, I, you know, and, and in, 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 with, with trepidation in my, in my heart, I'm going to say I found some level three stuff in this book. I found mine in I the codas. Too, in the codas, yeah. I, but, I uh, found some. I found some actually in that in that section where Kerensky's where they're where they're having a conversation between uh, the actor that plays Kerensky and Kerensky when they talk to each other, and he says, "No, you don't understand. I fi- like you were saying. I finally met someone who understood me, and I had the best 
conversation that I have ever had with anybody. But we heard thumping. And then, and 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 he looks at when he looks at everybody, he says, "And you've just made the spiritual experience for me just horrible. Thank you so much for treating <laughs> me like crap." Um, but that's a that's really a that's really an interesting question that we all find. Am I going to find somebody who understands me? Do I? What do I do when I find someone who gets me? And there's a lot of literature that deals with that, but they deal with it from a standpoint of what do you do when you find somebody who gets you and it's not your spouse? What do you do when you find someone who gets you, but they're 50 years younger than you? Um, those kinds of, uh, those kinds of conflicts pop up in literature all the time. In this case, what do you do when you find someone who gets you and it's you <laughs> now, what do you do? With well, it? you know, I think there's something to that. The idea that, uh, it can be a, a mind altering, a life altering experience. If you, if you finally understand yourself, you know, it, like Ryan can laugh all Ryan's, he wants. Ryan's laughing. You haven't read the book yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. The problem is that in true 12 year old fashion, I'm sitting there going, as soon as you figure it out, just in very human fashion and form, you figure it out, and a great spiritual experience happens. Everything. What do you, you have do? sex with? Do you have sex with? <laughs> We must consummate this discovery of self. <laughs> that's it's a, in true twelve-year-old fashion. That's when you discover masturbation, <laughs> which was also addressed in that particular portion of the book. That's true. No, I guess we. I, look, so we can shoot the red shirt over here. <laughs> <laughs> we can play in the blue all we want, but I think the point. But I think the point still remains. I think Todd's right. I think there's some level three stuff to be had. There are questions to be asked. And what does it mean to, you know, can you, can you distance yourself from yourself and, uh, and think about your own life, your own, your own decisions, your personality objectively uh, from the outside looking in And If you can, if you learn how to do that, like some freaking like Asian monk or something, I don't know. Uh, it, it could be very rewarding. Uh, self-awareness we call it yeah right sounds like the book has Guinan moments you know what's, what's Guinan from Star Trek from Star Trek the, uh, the next generation Whoopi Goldberg there oh. just basically to give the advice and, and take you just that yeah. little bit I haven't, she, uh, she I haven't was seen the, that in she years was the years. Uh, she was the level three she and Captain Picard had all of had most of the level three moments throughout that that uh, ep- that that uh, series, series. what was the name of the doctor Beverly Crusher Right. Yeah. Well, there was Beverly Crusher, and then there was another doctor that we don't speak of that showed up in season two, and that was awful. I just remember the scene when uh, when Crusher says, uh, "I hear music in my head, music that won't stop." And yeah, that's the that was Counselor Troy. Was that Troy? Yeah. I thought that was Crusher. No. Oh, dang it. It was in season one. It was put there by an alien. He oh, was trying okay. to drive her crazy because she had yeah, anyway. She had an earworm. <laughs> Pretty much, he gave her an earworm. <laughs> All right, all right. And what else do we want to talk about? We've we've got some more time. I knew this would be an abbreviated episode because, uh, quite frankly, while there is some level three stuff in here, there's not that much to talk about. Oh my uh, goodness! But Todd, what else do you want to go over? So, so there was one moment in here that I that I just, for me, it was I was I was reading it, and my wife said, "What are you laughing at?" <laughs> and it was this moment when it was it was early in the book. Um, uh, and there, there was there was a deal. He says, you have six hours, doll blinked. Six hours? Abernathy angered at that. Is this a problem, mister? He asked. It's a, not a lot of time, doll said. Damn it, man, Abernathy said. This is Kerensky we're talking about. 
God could make the universe in six days. Surely you can make a counterbacterial in six hours. And I, and I put the note for myself. I can hear the music <laughs> of the of the Star Wars episode. Dun 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 dun. And then it would cut to commercial. <laughs> That that might have been my favorite part of the book, the little under the, the little thing where, where they, they all act dramatic, you know, once a week for like an uh, hour or, or a day in, in the story's timeline, but they all act dramatic and then all of a sudden they just stop and they act normal for a little bit. It's like, man. Things sure happen a lot on this ship. <laughs> a lot of people die on this ship, don't they? they? And they, then they get dramatic again because the cameras come back on. I really like the way that it's described in the book as the narrative takes over. Yes. yes. And people lose their agency and they lose have no choice but to they have no choice but to like eat, like Jack Bauer is constantly screaming like, damn it, we're running out of time. <laughs> like that's the narrative <laughs> taking over, right? Um, yeah, I thought that was great. I would want to mention that uh, that this book would be very, very valuable to anybody who is thinking about writing fiction. Yes. Yes. Very valuable. Very not much. not just TV shows or yes. movies or something, but... <laughs> Ryan, Ryan agrees. Thank you, Vincent Richard. <laughs> we should have a wheel that we spin that says, this is what we do to the red shirt for this minute. <laughs> uh, no, let me get on with my point. I just want to, I just want to mention my point. I thought a lot about Harry Potter during this book, oh. and I will tell you why. Uh, this is this is valuable stuff for any aspiring author because you don't want to do what J.K. Rowling did, uh, which was screw up the ending of Harry Potter because you don't respect your characters. She ended up loving her character to death, uh, or, well, to life, really. Uh, sorry if you haven't read the end of Harry Potter, but at this point, screw you. I'm going on with my point. Uh, it's been over 10 years since the last <laughs> book came out. Just read it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, Harry doesn't die in the end. Everybody everybody who was reading the series up to that point knew that Harry needed to die. Yeah. And that that was part of the story. It was very clear. It, it, and in order for it to go from this is so much fun and this is wonderful to this book will survive generations, uh, he needed to die. And she couldn't do it. She could not do it and uh and so she loved her character so much that she wouldn't kill him off she anyway found a different way but the opposite this so this book kind of makes a, a commentary on the opposite and that's why i say it kind of reminded me of harry potter in a way but the opposite is true this these writers didn't care at all about the characters on their show and you could say that for the main characters as well but definitely for the extras and the red shirts uh they didn't care Right. They just thought, oh, these these are walking, talking props, right? Yep. And yep. Uh, and that will get you into lazy writing territory, and people see right through it. And it might be fun for a while, and you know, people tune into your show or whatever. Uh, but it's but it is lazy, and your your writing will not survive close examination. And you know, for the '60s and for the for the late '60s and early '70s, where Star Trek was at, and where some of these other shows that, that use the same kind of, of formulaic writing went on. It was, it was probably enough. It was okay. Um, it wasn't high drama even for its time, but it was okay. But we've become so 
um, inundated with good television. We were talking about this over dinner, um, about uh, FX's The Shield and Breaking Bad and some other television that is really well written with interesting characters that have interesting plot stories and they're three-dimensional and, and that they're not used as disposable uh, as disposable walking, talking props. Um, I, I, I think that that um, television entertainment has moved to a place where that's no longer acceptable either. And one of the things that, that John Scalzi was pointing at was, this is a show that's supposed to be happening in 2010. And I think there is plenty of television that does exactly that. And I, I kind of got the feeling every now and again as he was talking about this, he's, he's making a comment about a lot of our consumable televised entertainment. It's crap. And if somebody's not going to be willing to put something together that is more thoughtful than that, stop watching it and, and give yourself an opportunity to watch something that's really useful. Um, at least I, I got that feeling as, yeah, I, yeah. as I read the part where he's talking about stop being a lazy writer. Um, yeah. Maybe that applies to us too. Stop, stop indulging lazy writing and lazy television. And, and while he's at it, he takes a couple pot shots at P.F. Chang's along the way. It's How a fun dare one. He? How dare he? <laughs> that's what, that's what gets Ryan to, to bump up to the microphone. P.F. Chang's. I will smack John Scalzi across the face with a <laughs> cream cheese wonton of fury. <laughs> as long as it doesn't have a soggy bottom. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Okay, talk amongst yourselves. I need to go to the Reddit thread because I asked for some comments. So one thing that I do want to mention about this book, um, we were we were talking about this as well. Um, this is a this is a book that that um, I that I know my wife will never read, and that I know that she would kill me if I recommended it to my children any place except on this podcast because she doesn't listen to our podcast. Shh, don't tell. But the kids do. Um, so kids, uh -oh. read this oh. book. It's really cool. <laughs> Don't tell mom that I'm the one that told you to pick it up. Um, the How old is your youngest? My youngest is 12. Okay. So, don't, don't read it. Okay. She, Leanna, don't she, read it. she listens to her mother far more than she listens to me. So I'm we're just safe worried there. she's now listening to me talk about masturbation. Oh, no, she didn't hear that. She oh, doesn't. Okay. I, she's not allowed to listen to a podcast. Oh, okay. um, in our house, the podcast has, a, has an M14 label on it. So you're safe. You're safe. Um, uh, but, but it's a... It is a, it, there's a, there's some, a lot of adult language in it. It's, it's expletive full. And so, if you were thinking that this was a that this was just a fun little romp, um, be be very aware that it's it's adult reading. All right. Uh, well, I've got a question from uh, from Reddit user J of Wu. I have no idea. It's like Joff Wu or something. J O F W U. Joff Wu. One of my favorites. I just have no idea how to say that. Screaming. Maybe so anyway, tell us later. Yeah, tell us later. Uh, right, he threw down against me one one round. So oh, that's right. Yeah, he's like your nemesis. That's right. You're my Reddit nemesis, Jofu. 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 In true Star Trek fashion, Jofu. <laughs> and you just woke up my kids. That was as close as Ryan could get to saying con. That was beautiful. <laughs> so he said, I assume he says, I was really amused by the concept of the characters finding out they're fictional. Maybe this is too far off topic. No, it's not. 
But <laughs> welcome to the legendarium. <laughs> baking, Bridget, Bridget baking show and masturbation. Where, where no topic can cover something semi-related. Where, where no topic is too far off topic. Be careful about referring people. <laughs> Maybe this is too far off topic. But, no, never mind. I was going to put a joke in there. Uh, but what other fictional world do you think would be fun to see that happen in? So, I, and I would say, maybe out of the stuff that we have discussed on the podcast, what, you know, what, what do you think would be the most fun to see this type of story happen in? The characters kind of coming to life and confronting the author. Wow. Don't everybody jump at once. Jayavu Jafu, you have us. I would, I would think that um, Wayne becoming aware that he is being written by Brandon Sanderson um, from the from the Mistborn Alloy of Law series. <laughs> I'm not nearly this clever. <laughs> I, I, I would think that that would be a conversation. To say, now wait a minute. Why do I always have to get rid of my hat? I like that hat. <laughs> All right, Ryan, Ken. I, I I'm still thinking. I'm actually looking at his, his last thought, but we'll continue on this because uh, he, he hoped that we didn't just answer the question. I don't have an answer for you. That's what I just then said. stop talking because I want to ask Ryan. Um, don't change the subject. I just imagine Kaladin confronting Brandon Sanderson about his about how he's being written about Bridgeport. I'm my inclination would be not having read this, obviously. Uh, yeah, but you've seen like at, Stranger Than Fiction yeah, or something. To actually select very obscure characters like the, the I mean, like Kaladins and Wayne, and those are all main characters in this piece. I will, these red shirts, like I want to kind of pull someone who's off to the side. It would be like sending Rock to talk with Brandon Sanderson or something. <laughs> like that. Right. Or um, yeah, a um, Lopen. 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 Yeah, something like Lopen. that. Um, and I would love to, I, I think actually. Ooh, ooh, what about. Fatty Bulger talking to Tolkien and like you named me, me what? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to bounce between pulling someone from Lord of the Rings um, or from Starship Troopers. Um, I thought that one would also be kind of interesting to, to pull from. I was a but. socialist until you started writing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think actually, uh, I think the I don't know the Lord of the Rings one I think would be kind of a boring discussion. To be entirely frank, not because the not because the material is boring or the characters are boring, but because he's so well thought out, everything there, right. that the conversation would be like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> you like, mean, you I, mean, I'm an elf. I'm supposed to be a stuck-up prick. All right, I'm good with that. <laughs> you mean the conversation between Tom Bombadil and J.R. Tolkien would be just very factual and very satisfying. It would probably become. Never, never mind. I won't, I won't hurt Craig. There, there's your weird sexual experience. <laughs> yeah, I went there. I'm sorry. That you was... are not sorry. <laughs> You're now on par with um, what's his bucket? Who wrote the lesbian erotica version of? Oh gosh. Did I? Oh. <laughs> have you not? Have I not told you about this, Todd? No. Uh, no. Look. This... We're we're done. We're done with red shirts. Let's be honest. We'll 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 wrap up with some final thoughts on it. But I'll just tell you this. Um, uh, what is his name? Gosh, Pat Rothfuss. Right, yeah. 
He oh, wrote, right, you right. know those, uh, there, there's that site, I can't remember which site it is, that does the brackets, like this fantasy character oh, versus yeah, yeah, this yeah. fantasy character. Yeah, this remember. one was Desi from uh, Name of the Wind, which I don't think you've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a kind of a wisecracking teenage girl uh, from his novel, and she's supposed to go up against Tom Bombadil, and... And he base and he was he I don't know volunteered to write this scene because he was bored one day, and so he took Desi to Tom Bombadil's house, and then Tom Bombadil went dancing away, dancing and singing into the hills, and then Desi hooked up with Tom Bombadil's wife, and it was just the worst and most disrespectful thing. And like I get that it was kind of funny, but I was so incensed at that at this man for writing that scene, I just could not even handle. I'm pretty sure he burnt an effigy or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, anyway, yeah, that, was, wow. that was a rage that I had not. So seen. if if anybody has not seen that, go look it up. You can find it online real easy. Just you know, use those search terms. <laughs> and then and then burn your own effigy to see if we can no, do a little I mean, more damage. The thing is, I if I get the sense online that uh, that most people who read it thought it was just funny and and you know kind of great, but I thought it was really really disrespectful to. Uh, to his own character, to his um, to his literary forebears character, to the fans, to you know, it just to the genre itself. I thought it was just highly, highly disrespectful. That was my big problem with it. But anyway, uh, yeah, you can go look it up. Uh, that all didn't matter. So sorry we talked about that at all. Um, you can call this one. Yeah. You can call this episode the red shirts episode in three in three codas. And three codas. And three codas. One code is the British baking show. <laughs> Second one's a little bit of red shirt discussions, and the third is the lesbian erotica. Uh, a discussion there. on three tangents. <laughs> yeah. There, there you go. go. There yes. you go. We found we found the hey, title. Ken, you said something smart. You contributed. <laughs> You should see him smile, everybody. You should see him smile. You missed the last That's like three times in the last three weeks. I'm a little scared. So, uh, bottom line. It's the beard. Bottom line. uh, Todd, you already kind of mentioned this, but uh, do we recommend this book? Basically, do we we think Ryan should go read this book? I think Ryan should go read this book. I do think Ryan should go read this book, absolutely. Ryan, you would get a big kick out of this book. You would, you would love yeah. it. The good news is, is it just downloaded on my Kindle on my phone because it was <laughs> enjoyable enough to listen to you guys talk about it. So. And, nice. and I would suggest let Will Wheaton read it to you. I did. I, I spent, Will, Will Wheaton. I spent the $4 to have Will's dulcet tones in my ear. You know what? I hate that guy, but man, he can read an audiobook. And he can read a really good science fiction yeah, audiobook. He, he does techno babble with the best of them. He is really great. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So I guess, um, yeah, we recommend it. It was great fun, and I'll probably forget most of it in the next year, the th- and then I'll have to read it again. The thing that's beneficial but, to me about this book is it makes me want to go read other stuff that he's done. Because I mean, he has a whole trilogy out there called Old Man's War. It's the Old oh, Man's yeah. War trilogy, something like that, that he wrote before this. And from what I have gathered, it's it's pretty well received. I'd like to actually go and read it because I mean, this is this just seems like something thrown together and, and fun, you know, like a, an author having fun, not like yeah. a serious literary work. I'd like I'd be interested to see what his other stuff is like. I'd like to see what he writes when he's not having fun. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, uh, for reading the book. <clears throat> and uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, this was uh, – I, I, 
look, this was a disorganized and stupid episode, but uh, sometimes we just got to let our hair down. <laughs> you know and, what? Uh, sometimes the episode fits the book. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we will be back next week with the second half of our discussion of, was it Crown of Swords? Crown of Swords. Crown of Swords, uh, book seven of The Wheel of Time. So we'll air part two of that next week, and then we will do something. I think Ryan's uh, kicking his way through uh, Zelda. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so we gotta we got to get on that. We'll talk about that. And uh, we need to get to the next piece in Arcanum Unbounded. Mm-hmm. Oh, this stuff he knows is just killing me, man. Uh, so we will get to that stuff, and I will update the uh, page on Reddit to let you know what's coming up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. One more time, go to thelegendarium.reddit.com and join the conversation there. And go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. You'll get that behind-the-scenes audio, but honestly... Uh, there isn't that much incentive other than that uh, we hope that we do uh, entertain you and give you ideas on stuff to read enough that uh, you would want to support the show. We appreciate everybody who does. So patreon.com slash legendarium. And we will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>